Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you. Welcome to season two of The Den. This is your host, Isaac, a.k.a. The Finisher. I am so glad to have you guys here today. We have a very, very special guest with us tonight, Miss um, Cindy Burns. Um, she is a life coach. She's a grief life coach, and she specializes in grief therapy um, for widows. So we're looking to have a great conversation and some excellent dialogue. Without further ado, let's get right to it. Here's your guest, Cindy Burns. How you doing, Cindy? I'm doing really good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good today. I really have nothing to really, really complain about at this moment and at this time. So let's get right to it. Um, tell our audience a little about you and what you do. Okay, well, I am a life coach for widows, which means I help guide them through the grief process, all the different feelings, try to help them make some sense of it and just be a, a good ear for them to, uh, to talk to, especially if they've got nobody else. And then when they're ready, I can help them also find their new purpose in this life. I can help them figure out their passions and their their purpose in this new life without their husband. Wow. So, Cindy, how did you get into life coaching? <laughs> well, um, I am a widow, and I was thought I was doing okay, but then I started to have, you know, the questions, okay, you know, what's my point? I don't have a reason to get up in the morning. So what's the point of me even being here? I know I'm the type of person that has to have a purpose. I have to have a reason for being here. And even in my previous jobs, if I knew why I was doing what I was doing, it made it much easier for me. So I'm always a why person, I guess. But I didn't know why or what for me. I tried a bunch of different things. I tried um, art classes, which reinforced the fact that I can't draw stick figures. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I tried some direct sales companies. I did one with makeup. I don't wear makeup. I don't know what made me th think that I'd be a success in that. I did, I did one company with wine because I love wine, and it was that was a lot of fun. I didn't make any money at it, but it was a lot of fun. We did in-home wine tastings, so I got to meet a lot of people and have a lot of laughs. But that wasn't doing it either. So I don't even know how I came upon it, but I guess I was searching the web for something, and um, came upon. A company that trains life coaches. Okay. And so I looked it up, and the very first thing I saw was life purpose. And I said, that's for me. So I signed up. It was all online. I did the, the course. I got certified. And I think that course helped me figure out what I was supposed to do. And what I'm supposed to do is help other widows. So that's how I got where I am now. <laughs> so how long have you been doing this work? 
I've only been doing it about a year. I, I took um, a good long time to train, to um, learn as much as I can about grief, because my story is not the same as everyone else's. You know, each woman's story is different and they're feeling different. So, you know, I did, I read a lot of um, studies and things like that on the internet, of course, because <laughs> where else do we look for anything? And um, so I, I'd say the training and everything took maybe a good nine months because I also took a course and I'm now certified in happiness coaching. Okay. I really, yeah, that's fun. And, um, and that kind of goes along with the purpose, you know, the, the grief coaching and all. So probably almost going on two years, I guess, since I started the whole journey. So in the process of this journey, um, of making a decision and finding your purpose, being a, 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 a grief coach for widows, Everybody grieves differently. Mm -hmm. So how did you navigate through that? Well, I asked them, what is their major, you know, pain point? You know, what, what hurts them the most? What makes them cry the most? And I'd say a good 80% of the time, it's guilt. It boils down to guilt. And the Guilt comes from all different places, and so we we talk. You know, I, I get her to talk about that, and then we talk about ways to handle that guilt, to decide, you know, whether they're going to wallow in it or whether they're going to get past it. And once they get past the guilt, everything else seems to kind of fall in place. It, um, you know, they're able to feel their other feelings for what they are. I've always said you got to name your feelings <clears throat> and you have to go ahead and feel them. You can't push them aside, you know, swallow them up. You can't. But that's not good for you because I, I know I did that. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I know that's not good for you. And so they, you know. Then they can, you know, once they get past the guilt, then the other things can come up and they can feel it. They can acknowledge it. And then they can, you know, wait for the next thing that's going to come up because it is, you know, it's a it's a cycle. It's not a path. So, you know, it just it gets easier. You know how when you walk in a circle like a. Like in dirt or sand, you walk in that circle and eventually it gets tampered down and it gets easier to walk on. That's the way grief is. It gets, the more you feel it, the more you allow yourself to feel it, the easier it will be eventually. I mean, we, nobody ever gets cured from grief. That's something that's there always. But you can make it easier to get through and that was one of my questions um, I was going to ask you, you know, in, in your practicing and in your experience, um, what was one of the, one of the common denominators that you find 
among all your clients and you and you mentioned that grief grief yeah and the guilt the guilt of 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 everything not just one thing because oh yeah because sometimes it's you know they they feel that oh well in my case if i'd gotten him to the house you know to a doctor sooner if um i was more persistent with the doctors trying to get them to you know try new things and stuff you know all of that plays into it and i just i finally told myself that i don't have a time machine i can't go back and change what's already been done and i think that that was a powerful realization for me and it has been for some of my clients as well so so when some of your clients struggle to get through that process that grief process and you're asking them to um to indulge in the hurt and the grief and the pain and the guilt like how do you navigate that because that that can be very difficult because as you know as human beings you know we don't want to feel anyway regardless of whatever the situation is so how do you, how do you get them to really understand the importance of feeling what they need to be feeling so are we pinging? <laughs> they, um, so I, you know, it, it depends on each individual how we do it. So. Okay. Okay. So in your process of guiding them through their, their grief, right? How do you deal mm-hmm. with your own, um, your own grief, right? Because, you know, we have transference issues when, you know, we in this helping field and we're dealing with clients with some of the same issues. And there's times when their issues become our issues because we can totally relate. So how do you deal with that? Well, I'm pretty good at shutting things down, at least temporarily. So when I'm actually working with a client, my emotions don't come into play. I I can, you know, deny what I'm feeling. Usually I'm, I am an empath. So usually any feelings that come up are for my client, not for me. Okay. And then, then, yeah, there are days when, when I still struggle with things or when I'm trying to, um, like I'm starting a blog so when I try to get, you know, something written, um, various things like that, I go live every Monday on my business page. And, you know, so occasionally those things will trigger something in me, but, um, and I deal with it when it comes, you know, I, I give into it. I don't like crying, but I have learned to allow myself to cry because, it's, it really is cleansing. Yes, it I is. Think that, yeah, I think that's why we, you know, that's why it's part of being human. Exactly. Um, you know, me, me being a clinician myself, um, and I deal with mainly men, and, and occasionally I have an opportunity to meet with the women. Um, the, one of the things that I hear commonly in men that we're not supposed to feel, uh, men don't cry behind closed doors, and I encourage our men 
to really get in touch with their feelings because it's a cleansing process, you know, and it's and it's okay to cry and you don't have to feel like you less than a man. And I'm telling you, I mean, I've gone through my own periods of grief and for a long time I would um I would just hold on to them. And they would fester in the pit of my gut. And then a situation would happen. And then I would blow up. And I found out not to be healthy. And I really had to dig deep. And I really had to search. And what I found out in that process, man, and I was just holding on to things that, you know what, I really needed to let go. And a lot of that I was able to let go through that, you know, through crying and just letting it out and just and just being who I need to be at that time. Yeah, that sounds good. I think I need to, well, I think I'm being called to work with men as well as women. Okay. Um, I am trying to form, I am forming a group membership for women. And I don't think I want to bring men into that because I don't think the men or the women would be as forthcoming, you know, with with somebody, you know, somebody of the opposite sex. There, it just might make make them uncomfortable. I think with men, I should be working with them more one on one. Okay. Because, like you said, you know, they don't want to be embarrassed by crying um, or admitting to their feelings. Um, you know, they they like to be presented as stoic and you know i can handle anything exactly yeah and um and i'm very i'm very used to that i grew up with three brothers and i had dan and i had six boys they're all grown now but so i've been surrounded by i've been outnumbered all my life (laughs) (laughs) she says she's been outnumbered wow that's funny but i um I do understand the male point of view to some extent. And I think the things that work with the women would also work with the men. So I'd be, I'd be interested in working with my first male client. That, that would be interesting. Probably for both of us. I I think you would do a great job in what (laughs) you're doing. Um, Other than the grief and other than the guilt um, that you um, encompass when you when you're when you're assisting and coaching, right? What are some of the other com- common denominators that you find um, in women that they go through um, in this period of um, of loss? Um, well, obviously, loneliness. It's re- nighttime is the hardest. I know. I. I delayed going to bed most nights. Okay. Which was weird because for six months while he was in the hospital, I was there with him. I didn't go home, but I hadn't slept in my bed for six months. Right. And I don't know why it just felt wrong to be there without him. And he worked nights most of our marriage. So again, you know, I was used to sleeping in the bed without him. Okay. But I couldn't do it this time. And I think a lot of women go through that. And I usually suggest um, 
finding a a shirt that he used to wear that still smells like him. Okay. Or sprinkling some of his cologne on the on the the pillowcase. Just as a comfort thing. Like, you know, when you get a new puppy and you put the clock in the the ticking clock in the <laughs> bed with it. It's kind it yes. works kind of like that. It, it's soothing. Now that puppy knows it's not his mother. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, dogs aren't that stupid. <laughs> but but it calms him. It's similar enough. So I do suggest those things at bedtime. Um, I also suggest changing your bedtime routine. If you used to shower at night, shower in the morning instead. Change things up a little bit so that it's okay. But, you know, it, it's not so it's not so hard to get into bed without him then. Exactly. Um, loneliness, just missing him. That's the hardest because that never really goes away. I mean, I talk about my husband daily, not necessarily to, you know, I have two, two grown sons that live with me and I mention him to them every day. And when I don't talk about him, I think about him. So that never goes away. You don't want to forget about him. And I, I would never suggest that anybody do that. Um, but there are ways. I mean, you, get, you know, if you're the type that can keep busy. But for me, having the purpose, because I think he'd be proud of me. I think he'd be proud of what I'm doing. And other widows, you know, they can, they can find when they, find their purpose and they're actually living it you know you don't miss them quite so much because you're doing something good for others and you're not as concerned about yourself wow. so i think that helps as well that's 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 amazing um i, I was given to ask you you know you, you did mention about you had um to your sons living with you um mm -hmm. at times do you find yourself um your son's doing something that reminds you of your husband oh yeah um they've <laughs> they've got his warped sense of humor <laughs> and well i do too but and they they love puns which i hate but he used to love to try to get me with puns Okay. He'd say a pun, and then he'd look at me and go, "I see you smiling." <laughs> <laughs> you know, a few things like that. I had one son that lived with me for a few months before he got his own place. He had moved down from New York after his dad died, and so you know, I gave him a room. Of course, that's what you do. But and it was right across from my office, and the, this guy snored that I could hear through the bedroom door and the office door. And it sounded just like my husband. And so I couldn't, I could not work if he was sleeping. I had to, I had to go in another room where I couldn't hear it. That wow. was, that was really tough. 
And it, of course, it was in the early days, too. You know, it was right after he died. So. so you're doing grief counseling, and then on the back end of the spectrum, you're teaching people how to be happy. Man, that's amazing. I am not. I don't. I never say counseling because I'm not a licensed counselor. Exactly. So it's grief coaching. I help them through it, or help them adjust to their lives without him in it. Now, it doesn't mean you have to forget him, but you do have to keep on living. Let me tell you something. I think you are doing a fantastic job. Grief, Thank top, you. grief, grief coaching is tough. And mm-hmm. at times I'm quite sure it's, it can be emotionally draining. And I just want to support you to just to keep making a difference in, in these individuals' lives because I'm quite sure you are. And I just want to just thank you for your work and your purpose. And I think you're just doing a great job. Well, I thank you for all those wonderful words. It encourages me. Yes, not a problem, not a problem. I really, really enjoyed your story today. So tell our audience how they can get in contact with you. How can they reach you? The best way to find me is to friend me on Facebook. I'm Cindy Judd, J-U-D-D, Burns on Facebook. And you can always go to um, my Facebook business page, which is, I had it up here. (laughs) I can never remember it. Um, Widows Finding Purpose, I think it is. And my support group on um, my private support group on Facebook is Widows Support Group, comma, Finding Purpose. So any of those you can reach me at. And anybody that's listening, that's struggling, um, that's in a place where you've been and they're struggling and they're just having a hard time reaching out, do you have any encouraging words or any suggestions that you might just want to just t- let our audience know just in case there's somebody out there that just may need those words of encouragement? Oh, yeah. Don't be afraid to reach out to, for help. It doesn't have to be me. It could be a friend, family member. They probably think you're doing okay because you, sh- you seem to be. And maybe they're not as they're not hovering around as much as they were in the early days. They, they do that because they want to give you your space. And plus they've had to get back to their own lives. So, but the phone works both ways. I know I have a lot of widows who say, you know, no, well, nobody invites me out. Nobody ever calls me. I've lost all my couples, friends and things. It just, the phone works both ways. Pick up the phone, call them or text them and say, hey, you got a few minutes? Can we talk? Or, you know, can we go for coffee tomorrow? You know, make make a plan. Or if you need somebody right at that very moment, just ask, you know, can we talk? I'm, I'm really needing somebody right now. 
And if they can't, if they're rushing out the door or something, try another friend and another or family. And if you're close to his family, that's a really great place to get some support because they're, I mean, they don't know what you're going through as a widow, but he was important to them. He was family and they're grieving too. So, you know, that, that's a real good place. You heard it here on the den. Cindy, thank you so much. You could have been anywhere in the world. However, you decide to come and hang out with us at the den. We most definitely appreciate it. Thank you for your work. We appreciate your story. And I want to just let you know that you're doing a remarkable job. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure. I most definitely appreciate you.